How are music therapists changing the lives of people in Canada? What is the latest research and trends? You are tuned into the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast, and we will explore these questions with our guests today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adrian and Kathy. Today, our guest, Stephen Williams, will speak to us about how his career in music therapy began and his key learnings from working on boards and committees throughout his journey. He also shares with us his inspiration for a recent presentation he delivered about psychological woundedness. And here's a little more about Stephen. Stephen's 30-year career has spanned clinical work, teaching, and administration. His passion and service for the profession of music therapy has continued throughout. Currently, he is a music therapy educator and administrative coordinator at the Capilano University Bachelor of Music Therapy Program in North Vancouver, British Columbia. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. We are so thrilled to have you here from Vancouver, British Columbia. Thank you, Kathy and Adrian, for, for one, for the invitation and for this conversation. I really appreciate it. So most music therapists have an origin story about how they were drawn into the profession of music therapy. Can you share a little bit about your journey? I tell this story on the first day of classes with new students uh, because my origin story happened before the internet and, and before how easy it was to search on your phone for something. After high school, I went into music school at the University of Victoria and nobody talked about careers in that first year. And I ended up leaving after first year because I didn't want to be a performer. And I ended up joining and moving in and living with a L'Arche community in Victoria. And those that know Jean Vanier and, and the community of people living together, um, both those that are neurotypical and those with physical and mental and emotional challenges, it's a real community-based framework for living that uh, at the time really met my interests and needs. Anyway, the, the dining room table experience, it was a round, big, white dining room table, and the dinner time was really chaotic. It was hard to get sort of one conversation going. Uh, people would complain about food. They didn't want to sit next to so-and-so. So there was chaos at the, the dinner table. And then after dinner, the norm in the home was to go into the living room. And we're talking a, a community in this house of, of sort of regularly seven or eight people with visitors quite often. Mm -hmm. And since I played guitar and sang, I took over the living room music uh, making experience. And in the middle of, of a song, I, I was really struck by the contrast of the chaos at the dinner table and pun intended here, the, the harmony mm. in making music. Like people who were arguing at the dinner table were arm in arm swaying and <laughs> singing together. And, and I remember thinking in a moment, you know, music is like therapy. Oh, and, and I, 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 I humbly say in that moment, I thought, I think I've invented something, music therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and and people laugh when they hear it because now with the internet information is so readily available but at the very young age of what 21 being in this living room making music building community and seeing the impact that music and the power that it had on people i thought this really is something and 
No one in university talked about a career in music therapy. It took me quite a while to find out that there's a whole host of people in Canada. Uh, this would have been 40 years ago. A whole host of people in Canada who were doing music therapy. And, and that there were programs to train for a career in music therapy. So once I actually found that that existed, I was a little bit crushed that, that I don't get credit for, for inventing this. But most people I know have a moment when the words music and therapy come together. And for some people, it's magical. For other people, um, there's a, a bit of a brain explosion. And it set me on a pathway that has served me career-wise it it really satisfies a lot of my values my needs the, the the sense of community has continued as a theme in my life in terms of the profession of music therapy the 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 education of future music therapists yeah so there's a bit of humbleness in the origin story of uh, thinking i took credit for something that many people have figured <laughs> this out long before me Mm hmm. And so when you were seeking out music therapy and where that could be or getting further education, how did you end up finding out more? Because there was no Internet. Well, there was no Internet. Trying to find books in the early days was hard. Fast forward a little bit. By this point, I had um, moved away from home to Toronto and I attended a very early music therapy conference in Toronto. And I, I took the program and found as many presenters as I could find. And I asked every presenter the same question. If you were to start all over again, where would you go to get your education as a music therapist? And, and there was a wide assortment of opinions and such, but it set me on my path. I finished a degree in uh, music and, and psychology at the University of Toronto. I then went to Philadelphia to do a graduate degree in music therapy. Uh, and the creative arts. Actually, I wouldn't have the job I have now if I had not taken that venture to the United States to get training. Fantastic. I love the story that you shared and uh, the place where you were and the chaotic dinner and the harmony after. And so did you find over time in that situation that people would ask you to play music after dinner or did it evolve organically? It, it, was, it, it was established prior to my moving into mm. that community. Mm -hmm. And and since I was musical, it it the the, the role naturally fell to uh, to me and my responsibility. But then it became clear that people wanted music throughout the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're having a problem with so and so. Can you just make music? And okay. uh, yeah, the typical story of a of a of a, a burgeoning music therapist. Right. That's awesome. And so was teaching music therapists part of your original career plan? Oh, not at all. Like many young music therapists, I was quite willing to take whatever work, whatever contracts, whatever opportunities I jumped at and said yes. And and um, Capilano University was looking for somebody to teach three hours of piano improvisation to students one-on-one. -on -one, and I put my resume in, had an interview, and that's the pathway that started me into a career that I have found very satisfying. Mm -hmm. I do run into people 
nowadays that that all that are finishing their bachelors and they're I want to teach. Mm. What do I have to do to get there? And there aren't that many teaching positions in music therapy uh, at all. And I'm really quite thankful that my career pathway has been a bit of a winding one because it's in the the getting lost and in the corners and in the curves that I think I've done a huge part of my learning mm. uh, about failure, about vulnerability. So my pathway has not been a direct line around success by any means. And anyone that's sort of finishing their bachelor's in music therapy, I want, I'm like, great, but please be open to other opportunities that come along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Just in terms of saying yes to opportunities, being open to that path and following your passions. Yes. And that could be about population. That could be about workplace. It could be uh, uh, about something, a creative idea that you want to build on and, and, and make a name for in yourself. And I think a huge asset, I think you would agree, is that you have all of that clinical experience to draw upon as an educator. Yes, because my, my early years as a contract music therapist, um, working with all age groups in all situations, uh, sometimes feeling like I was over my head, other times feeling like, I wonder if I'm having any impact here. Then the, the next week, somebody saying something about, you know, this is the highlight of my week. And, and it, it, it touches my heart to be able to have an impact. Well, and to relate, to help the students understand that experience. Well, I, I'm, I'm mindful of sort of when in the classroom I speak about my first music therapy failure or my first music therapy vulnerability or, or the time that I took this really big cart filled with music therapy instruments, rolled it into a janitorial closet and just started to cry because I thought I was just out of my realm. And, and having a good cry, gathering myself, having a chat with myself, leaving the janitorial cupboard and going off and doing a session. I so, love <laughs> I, what you're saying because I, I'm relating so much. Well, I, I choose my timing because I don't want to diminish the hopes and dreams of a new music therapy student. And, and I don't want to make the career out to be harder than it actually is. But I think being willing to speak of both our clinical successes and our vulnerabilities, I, I think, is a big part of a rounded um, educator Absolutely. perspective. Absolutely, yeah. So you've also been involved um, throughout the years in a lot of national and provincial organizations and board work, which we all know is so important, and so many committees um, so for you, you know, drawing on all of that experience that you've had, what stands out for you in the profession of music therapy? I grew up in a family that had um, service as a, a, a significant value. So once I felt like I had enough work to um, pay the bills, I put my name forward for the CAMT board. And it was on the board that I realized that I was getting networking opportunities and connections that I would never have had the opportunity for if I hadn't said yes. Uh, the profession of music therapy, it's run mostly by volunteers. 
uh, on on these boards and committees, provincial, national, they deserve a huge amount of recognition. At my stage in my career, my age, I'm I'm careful about what I volunteer for and and how I use my time. But it was through the volunteering in the early years, uh, saying yes to a committee, saying yes to a board, that contributed to the profession moving forward. And it's without those volunteers, it's without that that leadership, it's without somebody who doesn't see themselves as a leader, but they're really good at, at taking minutes or, or writing a proposal. We need those people because the profession of music therapy is still quite small. When I compare what we're able to do as a profession nationally with, say, occupational therapists or physiotherapists, I, I just want to bash my head into a, a, a wall because we're, we're, we're quite small. We offer a very niche service. And yet I'm assuming people listening to this that, that we offer a highly valuable service. We're able to through the, 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 the use of music as a, as a vehicle in therapy, we're able to get to places that may take a lot longer with other modalities, with other frameworks. And yet our services aren't funded by um, third-party uh, coverage uh, by, by government. So we still have a lot of work to do, but there's a real appreciation for the people that are willing to be on those committees and boards. So, so one drive for that is around giving back, being of service, making a difference. But the other drive for somebody that may not have that particular drive is the opportunity to meet people nationally, to, to network, to know what's going on, to sometimes have your ear to the ground that, that isn't possible without being involved in that. So I really encourage our new grads to join a committee, join a board, uh, to not be too afraid to say, yeah, I'll, I'll join that. Because then you feel some sense of ownership for the larger Canadian music therapy identity, whether it's on a provincial level, a local level, a national level. And in my career, it's been quite amazing to see where where we've come from. And I'm excited about where this profession is going. And I don't know where we're going, but uh, I'm excited. Absolutely. I, I love the way that you, well, first of all, talk about service and that meeting your personal value and then the benefit of networking and connecting. And because we are so small, you know, whether it be on the local level or provincial level or national level, um, we are small enough that you really can feel connected and supported with others. And I think it has to be like, we have to continue to have music therapists doing this work, like that piece where it is still us volunteering, but it has to be music therapists who are engaged because we know we need to, we still need to be speaking and be, and be yes. the voice of our profession at this stage in terms of where we're going. Yeah. For sure. I wanted to ask you about your recent conference presentation at the CAMT conference. So this was an intriguing look at psychological woundedness. And I want to know how did this idea come to you? Half of my job at Capilano University is as the program coordinator, so it's administrative. 
and and it's about recruitment and marketing and budgets and meetings and it's a little bit consuming i've been in the job for a very long time so my my i've grown into the skill set in this position and the consuming nature doesn't leave time for research and writing like other music therapists are doing and so i love the creative work of putting a presentation together there is a distinct energizing creative process that i go through when i get an idea about a presentation putting the work into framing the presentation and figuring out how to take the audience on a, a bit of a journey and in that journey having them arrive at a bit of a destination at the end with me that is both uh, an experience, um, they, they leave with a perspective. So this presentation was on befriending your woundedness. And I know m many music therapists and some music therapy programs don't talk about woundedness. And I think of it as sort of psychological and emotional. It's sort of a small part of us that we try to hide from the world and yet once in a while drives us or, 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 or gets us into a reactive state. The last one, two, three, four presentations that I've done, since I'm not doing clinical work at this stage of my career, I've had to think of other ways to come up with an idea to present on. And these thought inquiries are um, what I've come up with. And it, it's a bit of a journey of, of here's what the literature says, and here's my thinking about it. And, and, and my thinking about it sometimes may be controversial. It may be, why is he going in that direction? But I'm, I'm, I think I'm really good in presenting it, getting people to a conclusion point at the end, whether they agree with me or not. And uh, if you've seen the presentation, there's sort of reflective, there's music. And this topic uh, was mostly about my own inner journey in the last five, six, seven years. And uh, looking at why this one thing keeps popping up when I get into interpersonal problems or a conflict at work. It's like, what, what? And it's by talking to, uh, to mentors or therapists or, or people who know me really well that I started to hone in on my own woundedness. And I thought, I wonder if I can frame this into a presentation, not about me, <laughs> but about the concept, psychological or emotional woundedness. And uh, it was a fascinating journey to put it all together. Because as I said, the, the, the work of taking the audience on a bit of a journey with you is, is an art. And I think it takes time to develop that, that skill. Yeah, the, 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 the bravery of talking about something like woundedness, uh, it takes vulnerability. And I figured I'm willing to step into that space. As I was doing the research for it, as I was taking notes, um, there is a very creative process that I get to go through. And I used the word energizing before. Uh, when I looked at how 
the time period that I was working on the presentation, I found the energy, I found the time. It was a bit of a driving force. So that's coming back to service and community, giving back, um, making a difference. You're, you're hearing my values coming through in this conversation. Yes. Absolutely. And even the way that you speak about your preparation and inspiration for presentation, it really ties all the strings together with you being an educator at heart, you know, and also I hope everyone listening is recognizing, oh, okay, I should, I could be presenting and this could actually be energizing and fulfilling and a learning process for me. And also taking that risk to be vulnerable because at the end of the day, you're by doing that and you taking that risk and stepping forward, you do really give others permission to do so, which I know I felt listening to your presentation. Appreciated it very much. Stephen, it has been a pleasure to have you with us here today and to hear about the important work you're doing as a leader in our field in British Columbia and and I know nationally as well, the work that you that you contribute to do, continue to do for CAMT. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. That was a fantastic conversation with Stephen today. I really loved kicking it off with learning more about how he started his journey in music therapy. And I laughed when he said that realization, you know, music is like therapy <laughs> and thinking that he really created this profession, which I love because why wouldn't you think that? if you've never had exposure to it and the fact that he kept digging and he went to Toronto and attended the conference and really pursued it in more depth and networked and asked the questions, which I think is really fascinating and resourceful. And I love how then it came full circle talking about at the end of the interview with respect to his work volunteering on committees and boards over the years and really being of service and encouraging others to do so. So really that networking that started his career, you know, continuing his career in the same vein, networking, getting to know people, but also encouraging younger music therapists to really get involved and explore that and take risks and ask questions. And who knows where that could lead. Something that really struck me um, which ties into what you're saying, Kathy, is Stephen's self-awareness. I mean, that's clearly what makes him an excellent music therapist. But knowing his values and then living them. So connecting back to his values. And so, like you said, the value of service and how that is something that he knows about himself. And once he was able to contribute in that way, how Stephen has stepped into being vulnerable and sharing of himself in a way that really does benefit all the other therapists listening new and experienced because we all benefit from from hearing someone else taking those risks um, we were chatting with Stephen after the podcast for a few minutes and something that really came to light was you never really know what kind of an impact you have on people 
And um, Stephen, I mean, even speaking on this podcast and to all of you listening right now, I know has had an impact and inspired you in some way because we can all relate in some way to his experience and we can all take a page from from his book and what he's done. And even I loved listening to how he cultivates um, his presentations and how that fulfills and energizes him. You know, every little piece of that is something that's really a value for us to be listening to. Thank you for joining us on the Canadian Music Therapy Podcast. To learn more about resources from the show, please visit beyondthestudio.ca. Thanks for listening.